This podcast is for the curious and for those seeking honest conversations about life and ministry. It's for those fully aware that we are in a moment in history that demands our attention and our intentionality. The world is about to turn, and this podcast is for those who seek to be co-conspirators with the Holy Spirit. Those who wish to affect the turn toward the one who offers life and life abundance in this world, in our weary world. It's for those that are committed to God's invitation to us as church together, as people in mission, responding to the demands of the gospel. Welcome back to The World is About to Turn. I am Bishop Layla Ortiz. I get to have the privilege to serve as Bishop of the Metropolitan Washington, D.C. Synod. And today I am so pleased and honored to welcome two fabulous guests, both leaders in our Synod. And I am so grateful to Natalie Kane and to Brother Ken Taylor, who have said yes to this conversation about what it means to engage and to live out their vocation and their call um, caring for God's beloved creation. And so today, I don't want to make the assumption, as, as we, we've done in the past, to, um, to think that we know who it is that we're working with. And both, both of these leaders are members of our synod, but you may or may not know who they are, and you may not know their faith journey. And so I'm going to ask that each of them share a bit of who they are, share a bit of their faith journey, and what has led them to this particular moment, to this particular call, and to the ways that they live out their faith today. And so I'm going to ask Natalie to please feel free to introduce yourself and share a bit about yourself. Thank you, Bishop Layla. Um, as she mentioned, my name is Natalie Kane. I currently serve as the Director for Gifts of Hope within the Synod, and that is the Synod's uh, alternative gift-giving program, mm -hmm. giftsofhopedc.org, if you're interested. <laughs> <laughs> nice. And... Um, I don't think it's a secret that I am all about the beloved creation. A lot of people who know me uh, know that I used to work with the Faith Alliance for Climate Solutions and that I um, studied zoology hmm. in college. And I was also on a pre-vet track thinking that I was going to be a vet veterinarian. Um, and I think that it, I've always felt very connected to God in the natural world, mm. um, outside at camp or just bike riding. I mean, whatever it was, I always felt very connected to the Holy Spirit in mm. natural spaces. But I think it was my study of zoology that really um, reinforced this massive appreciation for mm. creation and desire to protect it and um, care for it. And, and somehow I was very lucky in having conversations with professors and with other scientists that helped me understand that faith and science were not um, opposites. Opposites, or, yeah. yeah, they're mm -hmm. not contrary to each other. Mm -hmm. They um, they help each other out. I'm losing my words, but th that it really um, enhanced my faith and really helped me believe in a greater power and also our great responsibility to care for creation. And was this part of your upbringing? Was this part of something that happened in college or even before? What kind of led you there? 
I think um, we were always outside as kids. We lived on the edge of woods. Um, we always loved, had this fascination for animals and loved animals. Um, certainly, I think the church that I grew up in instilled that love, but not maybe not so much creation care. Um, I just had a strong faith foundation, I think, growing up. And then somehow along the way, just God's creation Mm-hmm. really became a big part of that. And were you always Lutheran? I guess I grew yeah. up in the Lutheran church. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Mm-hmm. This is helpful. This is helpful just to see and how um, the conversation will continue and where we go into speaking of the beloved creation. Brother Ken, please share a bit about yourself and how um, God has led you to this place, your faith journey. So I'm uh, Brother Ken. I um, pastor at uh, St. Nicholas Lutheran Church in Huntingtown, Maryland. Mm-hmm. Um, so I come from a a line of Southern Baptist preachers. Mm. Um, my dad decided that he didn't want to be a preacher. Um, so he became a salesman and he said is because he wanted to be able to read theology and he thought that pastors don't have time to read theology. Oh, okay. Wow. So, um, so we, uh, went through a whole ton of different kinds of churches, but we ended up in a a Presbyterian church, a PCA Presbyterian church, which was really heavy on this double predestination kind of ideas. Mm. And that was kind of like a crisis moment for me as a teenager because um, the idea that God only loved a certain subset of beings really was hard for me to digest, hard for me to accept. And so... um, you know, I, I ended up going to music school. I, I studied uh, at the St. Louis Conservatory of Music with classical guitar and then transferred to the Cleveland Institute of Music, um, finished my bachelor degree and uh, completed a master degree. And um, during that time, I was I found myself in a lot of churches playing uh, recitals and stuff mm-hmm. um, and sometimes going to church here and there, but it was still kind of not really part of like the central part of my being. Um, but then uh, I, I joined a cruise ship in the year 2000. And mm. um, as I, w- I, I ended up, uh, I, was a, I played two hours a day. And uh, the rest of the time I uh, got to get off the boat and see the Mediterranean, oh. Barcelona. Um, uh, let's see, uh, Livorno and um, Naples and... Venice and Kushidase, which is Ephesus and Istanbul. And then we turned around and went all the way back. Sure, You saw all of it. (laughs) Got it. Yeah. (laughs) um, And so, you know, I spent a lot of time uh, in, in churches, uh, I guess, praying, uh, just Mm. sort of sitting, but also looking at God's creation. Um, And so when I, uh, I came back from the ship, I, I ended up, meeting Mandy, who became my wife, and I ended up staying in Las Vegas, Mm. and um, so I started playing weddings and background dinners at church, at uh, uh, casinos in Las Vegas, and um, when I was doing the weddings, I kept getting partnered with a Lutheran pastor, and we started having a lot of conversations Mm. in between our gigs, and and so he invited me to, to be to come and play at his church, which led to an invitation to become a choir director, which led to being um, sort of a music director, which led to uh, dipping my toe into seminary and then going to Wartburg. Mm. Um, 
And so that's that's sort of uh, how I came into the ELCA Lutheran Church. Um, so I took my first call in uh, uh, Strum, Wisconsin, and Strum is incredibly beautiful. The northwest of Wisconsin is just gorgeous. Um, while I was there, though, my my dad kind of well he he got brain cancer, mm-hmm. and um, that sort of sent me on a spiraling journey of of trying to understand how cancer works and how it works in our bodies. And from that, that sort of like spilled over into this um, walk into the uh, Lutheran Franciscans. Mm-hmm. So I, I found uh, this, this this new thing that was happening, the Lutheran Franciscans. And from that, as I started reading the the writings of Francis, I started thinking about how as I was a kid, I used to always be outside. Um, I grew up in Colorado Springs, so I was always in the Garden of the Gods. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of our friends would go to parties and stuff, and my friends and I would rather go hiking in the Garden of the Gods or up in uh, Cheyenne Canyon. Um, it's just kind of what we preferred to do. Um, and so uh, as I started reading more about Francis and learning more about um, our human bodies, this just kind of led to this fascination with creation, but also how we are destroying mm-hmm. what God has given us. Mm-hmm. So... Um, that has led uh, to a, a you know about a ten year plus fascination with creation care and what we can do. Yeah. So, so helpful. Yeah. I didn't know. I didn't know that you did zoology. I did <laughs> not know that you were on a cruise ship. This is awesome. I had no idea. I love these conversations. I just. I think everyone that has come mm-hmm. and to be part of this conversation, I'm like, how did I not know this? And right? I like listening. They're so interesting. Yeah. It's great. Yeah. It's really great. I'm. I'm, it just confirms, it just confirms how rich our lives are, mm-hmm. how rich the people around us are, and how little we are, how, how unintentional we are in engaging in relationship with one another, and how we miss out mm-hmm. when we don't engage and build relationships. So mm-hmm. I'm not missing out anymore. I learned a couple, um, I would say a couple years ago, that um, Brother Ken was a musician because he happened to put like a two-minute video on Facebook of just playing the guitar. And I'm like, wait a minute. Yeah. Wait a minute. This during is a, the pandy. Yes, yeah. during the when pandemic. We were, we were all. That's right. Wow. And, and I said, wait a minute. This isn't like regular, you know, this is not a hobby kind of right. musician. Mm-hmm. This is a legit musician. And I'm like, okay, wait a minute. We got to lean into this and learn a, a bit more. Um, but zoology, I had no idea. I know, yeah. I know the creation. I know you are beloved creation all the way. <laughs> all the way, hardcore. All, yes, awesome. all the way. Um, but I had no idea. This is just fantastic. So for those who have been with us on the journey, um, this is the last episode focusing on the mission statement. And our mission statement um, as a synod is by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, we are called to cultivate a bold and boundless love for Jesus and God's beloved creation. And so this is the last episode and the the last conversation we'll have around the topic. Um, And I wanted to invite you both because I've known you both to be very committed um, to creation care and to creation justice. And you have not just been advocates on the Hill, you have taken it to the body. Right. You have been intentional in your um, commitments and the commitments that you've made 
came from a place of conviction, right? Something mm-hmm. happened in your um, lived journey, in your experience of God, in your in the way that the Spirit was moving moving you. And so, I love to hear part of that story. Um, however, interesting or d- direct, messy, whatever it is, I'd love to hear what happened. How did the Spirit happen in and for you that pressed you to? make some intentional moves and changes in your lives for the sake of creation, care, and justice. Brother Ken. Okay. So I think I mentioned that um, my dad, and and actually July 4th will be 10 years that he passed away. Mm-hmm. Um, Sorry. That set me on sort of like this uh, journey of trying to understand what we put in our bodies and what it does to us. Mm-hmm. And um, from that, I, I got turned on to some some videos and some movies and uh, documentaries about um, food and what we're doing to creation. I was horrified about what we are so unaware of, mm-hmm. um, or at least I was unaware of. Sure. Um, I saw a movie called Cowspiracy, um, which talks about um, sort of the evils of the meat industry and what it's doing to our, um, not only to our own bodies, but also what it's doing to um, the ecology. Um, mm-hmm. There are forests that are being torn down so that um, they can have cheap places for cows to graze for um, hamburgers. Mm-hmm. So, um, and you know, I uh, throughout my life, I always kind of I enjoyed steak, I enjoyed hamburgers, and all those things. Um, but it, it sent me on you know a period of time for a while where I was. Uh, practicing a being a strict vegan mm. and um it's not easy to be a vegan um it's it's really countercultural. and um when my congregation in strum wisconsin found out they were like uh you know we're all dairy farmers right <laughs> um so that was a yeah, little that was a little, a little complicated tough. yeah mm-hmm. but um you know i I've, I've been trying to navigate how to um be be vegan without being so um strict about it um, but it, but it is, you know, if, if we just cut out uh, the eating of meat, for instance, um, out of our diets one or two, three days a week, it really has an impact on um, our environment. Mm. Um, you know, the especially the the factory farm kind of uh, places where cows are fed and grown and milked and. Um, processed the same with pigs the same with chickens um it's really kind of unnatural the way they are being treated and um because of they're so close and there's no way for them to be healthy animals they're actually having to be injected with all kinds of antibiotics and growth hormones and all kinds of stuff which when we eat that right ends up in our system so um so those kinds of things uh, there are a lot of theories that that is um, raising the level of cancers in our in mm-hmm. our bodies because we're not really eating what's natural anymore. Um, plus, we have a very highly processed diet of um, boxed foods that you know can sit on the shelf for twenty years. Right. Um, but what does that do into our bodies when we eat it? And so, um, I'm very interested in continuing this journey of learning how to be a little bit more connected to the way God created things in the way we consume food. Yeah. 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 That's helpful. Um, I remember when I, um, in seminary, I had a, 
thanks be to God for professors who just hand over these books that just change your life. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, and I had a professor, um, Reverend Dr. Nelson Rivera, and he was a huge fan of Yvonne Guevara. She's a, a Roman Catholic nun um, who is an eco-feminist. Mm -hmm. And I remember always being fascinated by her writing because in one paragraph, she could do theology, philosophy, anthropology. Like, she could just do it all. And I remember this one, this one paragraph in, in her book, Out of the Depths, she says that you know, we, we need to be very, very careful not to be anthropocentric in our, um, in our theology because we miss out on what it means to actually care for all of God's creation. And when we focus on humanity alone, we um, disregard and dishonor mm -hmm. all of who, all of what God has created for the sake of creation itself. Right. Yes. Um, and so it's always been hard for me. I mean, culturally I'm, I'm Latina. Give me the meat, give me mm -hmm. the rice, mm -hmm. give me the, you know, and, and we were poor, right? Mm -hmm. So we grew up poor and so boxed and canned and mm -hmm. preservatives. And that was part of my daily Fried living sandwiches, man. Exactly. Yeah. There you go. And you know, the, the state cheese and you know, all of mm -hmm. that, I, that's, that was my whole life. And so when I come to seminary and I start learning, Oh, wait a minute, it, there's more than just you know, the, the creation serving me, I'm called to also care for creation. It was a talk about cult, cult countercultural. Mm -hmm. uh, it was like a shock to the system. Like I, I, well, number one, I didn't understand it very well. And once I started understanding it, I don't, I don't want to do it. <laughs> I, I, I like my life. I like just focusing on me and my people and caring for justice even, right? Yeah. Justice was a big deal. And yet, um, creation, care, and justice was so foreign, was mm. so disconnected from um, my lived experience that it just became something that I had the privilege as a human being to kind of put to the margin. Like, I know you're there, but I don't have to pay attention to you right now, so I'm going to keep living the way I do. Much like, you know, all the other isms in the world mm -hmm, that sure. privilege allows for you to push to the side anything that makes you uncomfortable. But... Um, my mother too, right? Um, she also died from, from cancer and it was also coming back to what was she consuming? What was happening? What was the, the environment and mm -hmm. learning all these things. I'm not saying that that has changed my behavior drastically, but it has changed my awareness to now I'm convicted mm -hmm. <laughs> every time I make particular decisions that could harm my body, right? Mm -hmm. That not only my body, but the body of my family now, right? Um, so there, there, there's some implications here and, Talk about connecting our theology to our bodies, right? This is the temple, right? This yeah. is the temple of God. And so how, how do we, how, how often do we um, compartmentalize the gospel, right? Yeah. The good news of, of Jesus and God's intention for the whole world to our own convenience and to our own mm -hmm. detriment, right? Please, Share with us, Natalie. Well, um, I'm just yeah. reacting to what you said, and that was something I loved about studying. Um, part of zoology studies included ecology and conservation and environmental studies, and it was so fascinating to me to learn that like everything has a purpose, and mm. the um, ecosystems that are in place or that were created, um, they're self-sustaining, and there are even um, biological checks and balances within different species to ensure that 
one doesn't get overpopulated. It's huh. fascinating. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Everybody, go read a zoology book. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, I could wax on, but it is it to me that was so fascinating that. To, I think everything has a purpose, but we don't know it because we right. didn't create it. We were the last to the party. Mm -hmm. Like, literally, we were the last thing to come on board. And we were given that sacred responsibility of caring for creation. Yeah. Um, I personally have a very hard time killing bugs. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> mm -hmm. And there are bugs that I don't want in my house and that I don't want near me or on me. But I still have a hard time killing them because, it, to me, it's part of creation. Yeah. And, um, yeah. I have a hard time with just seeing things suffer, um, whether it's human beings or animals. And I think, Brother Ken, that goes to your point about when I, I also learned during college um, about the inhumane treatment of animals mm. in factory farms and, um, and also, you know, things that you were talking about, health-related things, um, you know, what factory farms are doing to the ecosystems around us. And it led me to be a vegan for a year, and then that was enough. And <laughs> I, um, I'm, yeah. I'm now a vegetarian. I do eat eggs, although I'm very picky. I probably buy the most expensive eggs in the supermarket because I'm very, very particular about what eggs I consume. Mm -hmm. um, I don't eat dairy except for a little bit of cheese and ice cream and butter. Okay, that's like all of dairy, but <laughs> <laughs> I am a broken human being. I'm not Perfect. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, imperfectly perfect. Yeah. 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 <laughs> um, and, and yeah, absolutely. I think that there are things that we can do or acknowledge um, that will help us understand the connection between caring for all of creation and our actions. And, um, and going back to what you learned in college, I also had a professor, um, Miles Ingle was her name, and she taught me about um, bisphenol A and um, endocrine disruptors. And that also um, made me think about what I'm putting into my body. Um, and I, I really value people passing along the knowledge like mm -hmm. that because it, you know, and I, maybe I'm a little too vocal about it with some people. Um, when, <laughs> when I went vegan, I tried to convince the rest of my family and I'm from the South. <laughs> um, half of my family is uh, Italian and Mexican. And uh, they were like, what? No. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. my stepdad yeah. was a chef and he like practically disowned me for a couple weeks. <laughs> vegan? What? Yeah, no, yeah. he wasn't having it. But yeah. uh, he came around to cooking for me eventually. It took him a minute, but... Yeah. yeah, I'd like to read something, actually. Yes, this is um, uh, the first part of um, what they think is the first Italian poem by that was penned by Francis of Assisi. And uh, it goes like this. Um, Praise be to you, my Lord, through Sister Moon and the stars. In heaven you form them, clear and precious and beautiful. Praise to you, my Lord, through Brother Wind, and through the air, cloudy and serene, and every kind of weather, through whom you give sustenance to your creatures. Praise be to you, my Lord, through Sister Water, who is very useful and humble and precious and chaste. Praise be to you, my Lord, through Brother Fire, through whom you light the night, and he is beautiful and playful and robust and strong. Praise be to you, my Lord, through our sister Mother Earth, who sustains and governs us, and who produces various fruit and colored flowers and herbs. And so one thing that um, a lot of Franciscan theologians have really pondered and, and written a lot about was how um, Francis um, put us on the same playing field as all of creation rather than being sort of 
the top of the food chain, so to speak. And so that's kind of led me to think about Martin Buber, this, this, so the, the I, thou relationship, mm-hmm. um, where oftentimes as, as people, and I have to say it as a poor, uh, a, a segment of the Christian population views that, um, the earth is here for our use. That's right. what dominion is about right. to have dominion mm-hmm. over mm-hmm. rather than, that we're supposed to actually care for and and till and care for the earth. Yes. So, so if we actually look at a bunny on the in the you know as a thou, or if we look at the water coming down the creek as a thou, or if we think of um, anything that we can we encounter in creation as a thou, it that should be that should change how we approach and treat and care for the creation that's all around us. But if you also think of, and this is where science and faith kind of come together, and I've been trying to read a lot of Teilhard de Chirin, um, and he sort of talks about how Christ is imbued in through all of creation, and mm-hmm. and so basically everything around us is imbued with Christ. Mm. I love that. And, that's, and so that also changes sort of how we should be looking at all of creation around us. And so that, that reframe of focus for me really changes how I, I like to govern myself in the world. Yeah. Not perfect at it, but um, day by day by day, I pray for the chance to be transformed and inspired to take those next steps to be, yeah, to lift up creation and how we can care for it because um, the earth is in a lot of trouble right now. It yep. is. It's weeping. And it's humanity weeping. is part of creation. It is. And I think a lot of what people either, I think sometimes don't realize or um, just we need to remind people about this more often is that environmental justice actually does help us love our neighbor better. Because low-income families, for instance, they are often the ones who are seated mm-hmm. at yep. the bottom of the, you know, the landfill where they're burning trash and they're breathing in that air and they're drinking that dirty water or they're at the bottom of the mountain where um, coal mining and mountaintop removal is like forcing sludge down into their neighborhood Mm, Um, or their buildings aren't built to code and they don't have um, you know effective or efficient air conditioning units their buildings are insulated correctly or um, sealed Uh, you know things like that and so they're paying much higher costs to keep themselves warm and cool. Um, they don't have tree canopy in their neighborhoods, and mm-hmm. so they don't have that natural cooling effect. And again, the higher um, costs of energy use. So I think there's a lot that we can do that is probably labeled environmental justice, but I think it's a Christian thing to do. I think it's an act of love for humanity and for our neighbors, our brothers and our sisters in Christ, that it ultimately speaks to that thou and and everybody is imbued with Christ and the divine is in all of us. And how can we respect that through environmental justice? Yeah. Yeah. And uh, Pope Francis, which a few of my friends and I think he's a really great Lutheran. Um, (laughs) (laughs) He, uh, he talks about in his encyclical uh, Laudato Si that, that we are, um, we are grounded in these fundamental three intertwined relationships with God with our neighbor and with the earth. Mm-hmm. And whenever any of those go out of balance, it, it really sends us off into lives of sin in yeah. a way. Yeah. And so how is it that we can, 
recenter our lives and and have each one of those relationships be um, more honored and special in our lives. Yeah. Um, so I had the <coughs> the privilege of sitting with my uncle, um, Uncle Neftali, in Puerto Rico. He has a farm in Camuy, in the middle of the mountains. And um, to get to his farm, you have to go through very windy roads, and you really think you're going into the jungle. And then mm -hmm. there's a clearing, <laughs> right? And there is um, my uncle and his, his my aunt and this farm with, you know, goats and um, all these really interesting um, plants that I've never seen before. And, you know, all these. And I remember coming into the space. I went there with Papo, my husband, and we both, as soon as we, you know, the, as soon as the clearing, <laughs> we were like, oh, this is what, you know, what is this? It so happens that my uncle um, has been living with stage four pancreatic cancer for 19 years. How? Exactly. Yeah, oh, my goodness. Yeah, 19 years, stage four, um, because all he consumes is from the land that he tills, right, that he cultivates from. Um, he's he's a healthy human being that is very ill. <laughs> it's just yeah. a very interesting thing, right, that the earth has kept him alive um, because he has um, intentionally said no to consumer society, no to, to the culture itself, right? He's in Puerto Rico. Um, he said no for the sake of not only his health, but because from a very young age, my grandmother, talk about a green thumb, anything that my grandmother touched just blossomed and <laughs> bloomed. I mean, she was just, my God, anointed. It was a, literally, she was a prayer warrior. She had um, calluses on her knees. The story for another day. But because of my grandmother, my, uh, my uncle, who's the eldest of five, was able to value creation, value the gifts that come out of nature. And when he became an adult and was able to choose where to be, he chose to be surrounded by nature, right? 19 years, stage mm -hmm. four cancer. Um, he's not healed. Um, at all. Um, he still struggles, but he's still here. Mom had stage four cancer for three years, and she's no longer with us because her diet never changed, right? Mm. Um, and we weren't in an environment that would allow for that. So I, I, say, I say that to say that when Papo and I entered into the space and the girls entered into the space, we're all city people, we all had a spiritual moment, mm -hmm. right? Beyond the fact that I, I believe I experienced both my uncle and aunt to be holy people, right? There was definitely something about the land that was speaking to us, right? Um, they also have water. Be it's 16 acres. It's incredible. It's 16 acres, two mountains, sheep and strawberries. It's that kind of, <laughs> that kind of space. But there's water running also um, all around their, their land. Um, it's like a horseshoe. And so while we're speaking outside, we're having the experience of hearing the land, right? Mm -hmm. Hearing the land move and the wind rustle and um, the voices of my aunt and uncle. It was just a surreal spiritual experience that we did not want to leave from, right? Yeah. Even my 13-year-old left crying, like, oh, I don't want to go. You know, that it was <laughs> like, I love these people. She just met them that day, right? Wow. She loved the people. She loved the land. 13 city girl right and she's like wait what just happened like where are we right mm -hmm. i think that there's um 
there's this beauty that we have been, um, what is it? Just, just, uh, we've been ripped from the just, land, mm. right? We've been, uh, I think quite literally, right? We weren't created to live in buildings, <laughs> right? Um, and so many in the world, would, would be, what would be understood as a third world country, countries, know what it is to live with the land, not on the land, right? We we haven't had that privilege. Mm -hmm. We've been stripped from that possibility, right? Yeah. And so, like I said, when we're invited and when we fall into places, when the Spirit leads us into places where we experience the divine, as you were saying, Natalie, mm -hmm. we're like, wait, that's where I belong. That's yeah. where we should be. That, And so then we come back into these realities and we're like, how? How do we engage or how do we continue to nurture that experience that we had in my case a truly mountaintop experience right mm -hmm. how do we translate that reality in this home in this space mm -hmm. in this concrete jungle right and i think that's the temptation that's the temptation that we fall into over and over again we we rather just fall into the cultural expectations continue living the way we do because to be intentional in living the ways that we're called to is hard. It's really, really hard. Oh, it's really hard. Um, but then to have the experience of people who have said, I got you. I know what to do. I know how to do it. Let me invite you to just at least yeah. this aspect of your life. Think about this. Think about changing or shifting this and let the spirit do the rest. Right. I think both of you are that kind of people for me. I remember the very first time I met you, Ken, you were very vegan. <laughs> I remember <laughs> this because we were sharing, we were we were at an event somewhere. I think it was a either a conference, not, um, what is it, Bishop's Convocation, I think it mm -hmm. was, and we were at a hotel, and all the, all the pastors were, and his whole meal was different, and he happened to sit next to me, and I'm like, what, plants, they were just <laughs> plants on, the t on a plate, and I'm like, hmm, is that all you're having, and he, I remember you told me about cow, Cowspiracy. Yes, yeah. you had seen that then. Yeah. And, and seaspiracy is even... Oh, yeah, I remember the very first time, and this was, what, seven, eight years ago? Seven, mm. almost seven years ago. Yeah, this was a yeah. while ago. Um, but yeah, I think those experiences, I mean, mm -hmm. like you said, I'm sure that even though your family was like, no, thank you, <laughs> right? <laughs> they still know that when they meet Natalie, right, when they meet you, they're going to be confronted with a justice issue that they can be complicit in and have chosen not to, right? Conviction will always be there as conviction is with me because of you, right? I'm, I'm not where I would like to be or where God calls us to be. And that's the, the struggle, right? Mm -hmm. And as far as creation justice, as far as, you know, how, mm -hmm. how to engage in ways that are complicit toward the healing of the earth and not the destruction of it. Yeah. yeah. Well, and I think it's easy for people to get overwhelmed and be like, my life isn't going to change anything. Right. Um, just me, just one person just or one, one person. family. What? Yeah. But mm -hmm. um, I think that the more we connect with people and raise awareness and uh, talk about these issues and connect, um, if a few of us start doing this and a few of us start recycling more, if a few of us start, you know, um, well, there's, there's a, there's a ton of things we can do. Um, whether it's changing light bulbs or, um, deciding not to eat red meat as much or um, staying away from things that actively harm the environment. Plastic bottles are, yeah. are one thing that's they're ubiquitous. Mm -hmm. And and what we're seeing um, in certain parts of the world is like all of those are flowing in these huge right. pools together. And it's, it's absolutely disgusting to see. Um, 
but if, but if more and more of us band together and stand together, then we can make small impacts, which hopefully will, will change things. Yeah. And I think um, this is, I agree with you wholeheartedly. And I think it's a great opportunity for faith communities to show up in public spaces and use the, the power of their collective voice. Mm-hmm. Because what I've heard from people who know more about lobbying and advocating on the Hill is that faith communities, uh, they bring this special power with them. Like mm-hmm. people listen to them. Um, and I think this is a really big opportunity for the church to be the loudest voice. Mm-hmm. I have never understood why churches are not the loudest voice when it comes to creation care. Yeah. Mm-hmm. To me, it's a no brainer. It is it our, one yeah. of our most sacred duties on this planet. And, uh, and I'm, I think, did I mention I'm from North Carolina? I'm from the Bible belt. Yep. Um, I encountered people, I think I was just telling you this, I encountered people telling me I was going to go to hell because I believed in evolution and I studied this and that. And sadly, I think sometimes the faith community or certain faith communities, I should say, drive a wedge between where we could be with caring for creation and where they think we should be in terms of what faith looks like and sounds like. It's true. There's there's a there's a subset of Christianity that's actively trying to bring about the end of the world, mm-hmm. so that we can get on to. Yeah, I've heard heaven. That I've heard from people who, uh, for my whole life, have, you know, outwardly are, I'm using air quotes here, faithful people, who, when it comes to caring for the planet, uh, it's the response is. It's in God's hands. Yeah. God will take care of everything at the end of the day. And if we all die tomorrow, we'll all go to heaven and it'll be fine. And it just grates on my soul to hear that. Yeah. It yeah. really, it hurts. Yeah. It hurts. And I, this is, this is one of the issues that keeps me up at night. I almost didn't have a kid because mm. I was so worried about his or her. I his didn't know future. the gender, but the future sure. of yeah. a child that I didn't even have yet. Um, I thought it might even be socially irresponsible to bring a kid in the world. That's how affected I am by this. And I also think there's something, you know, we're not supposed to live in despair. And that's hard Mm -hmm. when I think about the planet and what you said, weeping. Um, But this is, yeah, this is, I think, where the the church has to be the loudest voice in the room and on the planet. It's the best way to love our neighbor and to do what God told us to do in the garden. Yeah, Reinhold Niebuhr talks about the four typologies of Christ and culture. So Christ Mm -hmm. is in culture, Christ is of culture, um, Christ is above culture, and Christ is against culture. Mm -hmm. And there are traditions in our world, faith traditions in our world, who who understand Christ against culture, meaning that um, what happens here doesn't matter because we're in the world, but we're not of the world, and so we don't need to care about the world, <laughs> right? <laughs> because it's all about eternity, right? So yeah. Christ is against against where we live, against God's own creation in this sense, right? But it's not understood that way. It's understood as, because it's so anthropocentric, it's mm-hmm. all about the human, mm-hmm. then the human is above culture, and creation, right? And so that's what we find. Those are the arguments that you're going to hear from from Bible Belt, from more conservative spaces that that will argue that it's irrelevant what we do for the earth because, mm-hmm. you know, God God has it, you know, God yeah. will deal with it. Well, it's some not say on us. that if you actually care for the care for the earth that you're actually being a pagan. Ah. Um, <laughs> 
I've not heard that one yeah, yet. Yeah, well, I saw, oh, um, I went to a Catalyst conference. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you've heard of those. Mm-hmm. Um, and I saw Pastor Pastor Mark Driscoll, I think his name is. Okay. And he talked about being, that he drives like a big monster truck, a big monster truck, and, um, and basically uh, he doesn't, you know, he thinks that, that's good, and that if you drive like a little Prius, then you're you're actually not being a true Christian because God gave us this land to have uh, dominion over. I drive a Prius. Yeah, I am a pagan. So do yeah. you. Yeah. <laughs> you both drive Prius. <laughs> we are not people of God. I have a brother Ken. <laughs> right. And so you know, but I I I was just shocked that uh. that this you know this auditorium full of pa- and pastors were like mm. applauding this guy, and I was like, oh my mm. gosh. I'm, I don't think this Catalyst Conference is for me. Wow. <laughs> I, wish, you know. I wish people could get back to the land. Like what you were saying, Bishop yeah. Layla, I, two of the best weeks in my life were I volunteered with Conservation Volunteers Australia in mm. college. And mm. so for two weeks, we just, we were outside in, you know, tents, no running water, mm. you know, n- no, we didn't even have a, t- like we had a composting toilet. I won't even go into what that is, <laughs> but I mean, we were just, we were off the grid, right? Like mm. off the grid and in the wilderness, there were like wild wallabies and cockatoos and we saw glowworms. It was beautiful. Mm. Um, and it was not at all related to religion, but it was two of the most. It was holy. It was holy. Mm-hmm. Yes, it was holy. And I think if people could you know, forest bathing is a thing right now, but I'm like, just go take a walk in the woods. You don't have to pay anybody. Like just (laughs) go to your wood, your local woods Mm -hmm. and go walk around. Um, I think if more people did that, I, well, I would hope that it would just reconnect them to the sacred or to the divine that is in, like you said, in the earth and in the animals, in the water, the air. Um, And I've never understood why we dirty up our own water and air and then consume it. <laughs> I've never yeah. understood that. And that's not a faith thing. That's yeah. just a it weird. It should be for all people. Yeah. Clean water, clean air. Yeah, absolutely. It should be healthy food. Oh. So this, this is, we end our series here. Um, I really like your thoughts, just thinking through the entire mission statement, right? By the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, we have been called to cultivate a bold and boundless love for Jesus and for all God's beloved creation. Of course, we have focused on nature. We have focused on animals and fauna and oceans and seas. The other five episodes, we focused on humanity, right? We focus on justice issues that that, um, are are more at the front of our minds when it comes to human dignity, right? Um, What are your thoughts? Just thinking of the entire mission statement um and and this piece ending with this piece of of love for god's beloved creation right of course inspired by jesus our love for jesus right which is essential it it is what leads us to love others but i would love your thoughts just thinking as this is the end of our of our season per se of these of this season of conversation um what are your thoughts how what does what might that look like for you and um, I do want to add every episode we have been mindful that the hope is that this conversation isn't limited to adult hearers, but mm-hmm. to the whole family, right? Every age group in the in in our families, from our children to our grandparents. Um, 
what might this mission statement look like for us as human beings called to the land, called to care, called to love, um, inspired by the Spirit, and because of our love for Jesus? What are your thoughts? I think God is love. Mm -hmm. Jesus calls us to love. And loving the planet is loving not only what God created and what God said, it is good. Mm-hmm. It is also loving each other because mm-hmm. when we take care of the planet, we take care of each other. It, I, I, it's so simple. Like I, I don't know how to describe it more simply, but it, to me, it is, I don't like the term pro-life, but I think it is the most pro-life thing anyone can do mm-hmm. is to love the planet and to act like we love it. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. and, to, and it is scary, I think, to talk about things like the climate crisis because it's uncomfortable and it raises hackles in other people for various reasons. Yeah, it means we might have to change something. Mm-hmm. Right, right. It means someone might lose money um, and mm-hmm. uh, maybe their job might change, but we have to be bold. I love that you always yeah. talk mm-hmm. about being bold, Bishop Layla. We have to be. Um, and I think it just... I think it is a natural fit for our mission yeah. as a synod. I heard, uh, I, before we hear from you, Brother Ken, I heard a preacher once say, um, the gospel is very simple. It's very mm-hmm. simple. There's no confusion. There's nothing that's debatable. I mean, of course, there's always something that you'll debate. Mm-hmm. But the gospel is very simple. It's just not easy to mm-hmm. follow. <laughs> right? It's, it's not complicated. <laughs> it's not complicated. And in this sense, to care for creation, right, the the... The correlation, not necessarily causation, right? But the correlation between the earth and humanity is there. If you care for the earth, you're caring for humanity. If you actually care for humanity, you'll also care for the <laughs> earth, right? They're interconnected, interrelated. Um, they should. They have been compartmentalized by culture, but it's in reality, there's no way to separate them. We rely on one another. The earth relies on us, and we rely on it, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it's just not easy, it's so much mm-hmm. easy to stay as we are. It's so yeah, much it's easier, um, which is like, come on, you know, let's do something. <laughs> let's do something that <laughs> actually... It's not easy to be a disciple. No. it's. Mm-hmm. Not, I mean, follower of Jesus? I mean, are you paying attention? Who's mm-hmm. Jesus, right? What What did Jesus do for us to, to say, oh, you know, it's a piece of cake. It's a cakewalk. No. <laughs> actually, um, to follow Jesus um, means to change, means mm-hmm. to be transformed, Um means not doing the things the way we've always done them. Mm. Mm, not easy. Well, Luther uh, calls us to wake up every morning and cross ourselves out and remind ourselves mm. that we have been baptized, we have yes. been named and claimed, so there's our security. But yet, from there, we are supposed to go forth into the world um, in obedience, which mm. the root of obedience is to listen. Yeah. And... Um, <coughs> We should let, we should allow God to sound God's self through us hmm. towards other people um, with this gospel message. Um, but obedience is hard yeah. because that means that I have to die to myself, <laughs> no die to that. what I want. You know, yeah. that, that big, that big thing of ice cream really looks good <laughs> right now. now. I'm not saying that eating ice cream is bad, but, but the thing is, is there are times that, that we need to like actually pay attention to what we're doing and um, and and rest in the joy of the relationship and love with God as our source of 
satisfaction rather than seeking things in the world, consuming things in the world, and and actually just using and discarding things in the yeah. world. Um, we are called to be cultivators and tillers and carers for everything that we encounter. Yeah. And that's what I think is part of carrying the the kingdom of God with us. That's Amen. what we're called for. Amen. I think there's something that we're called to learn, all, I mean, all the time. But in this case, there's something that we're called to learn from our children. I don't know how many of you have seen these random videos. You know, I have teenagers now, and so mm -hmm. I see these things that they share with me. And there's these, you know, these these children that fir that discover, right, that the chicken that's in their backyard is this wait is this is what i'm gonna eat what right and then yeah. or there's a pig and they're like wait bacon is mm. what connected to mm -hmm. and as soon as they they make that connection or the connection is made for them they're like nope <laughs> not doing this yeah. or they're either angry they're upset or they just start sobbing yeah right like how could you it's like a betrayal to their innocence right mm. like how in what in I see them right? They're like, in what world did it occur to you to kill a living thing for the sake of your consumption, yeah. right? Um, there's something there, right? There's something to the innocence of uh, not only the innocence, but the 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 ability of a child to see life mm -hmm. in a different way that isn't for the sake of my consumption. This is for me, yeah. and I get to do what I want with you because you are here for me. The child is looking at this living, breathing thing, mm. right? This living, breathing um, creature. Um, and looking at us, <laughs> living creatures, like, what is wrong with you, <laughs> right? Um, I see this all the time. Well, the native peoples, um, before they went on hunts, they would have prayer. Yes. And yes. when they would... Um, uh, kill an animal there would they would have prayer around that animal that's right thanking that animal for the life sustenance yes that would be it would honor the animal yeah yes would honor the animal and that's and so when when the you know the trappers came around and and you know basically killed tons and tons of animals and left the corpses rotting in the sun just so they could have the pelts so they could sell it and make money yeah the native peoples were what, what are you doing yeah um and How so could you yeah, yeah so i mean you know there, there is sort of like a, an ecosystem um, that, you know, we are designed as omnivores. I just think that we've really gotten away from what it has meant to be. Um, I don't think that the, the ancient peoples ate meat three times a day. Mm -hmm. I think it was more of a celebration mm -hmm. or something. An that, occasion. An occasion. Yeah. Um, I mean, what would it look like for us, right, to just either study or give ourselves the opportunity to be in natural spaces that invite us into transformation that is not just theological, that is not just, you know, of the mind, um, but that transforms our being, right? How we function, how we live, the decisions that we make. Because, um, you know, there's, there's epistemology, right? The ways that we come to know. And we know that just because we know something, that doesn't mean that it'll change our behavior, mm -hmm. <laughs> right? So we can grow in awareness, right? And knowledge for days, for years. We can accumulate knowledge forever and never change our behavior because out of convenience or out of cultural realities, out of particular context in which we live. So how, you know, at what point or how incredible would it be for us to take the knowledge that we have been given and actually take action 
um, that is in keeping with the knowledge that we've learned, even if it's just that one that one challenge, right? Not the whole thing. We're not trying to save the world, right? right? But that one thing, you said the you said one thing, plastic bottles. Can we stop with the plastic bottles? Just commit this month alone, right? To make something small. We have these printed. That's right. So we have a we have we have very, very um, conscientious um, water uh, bottles, water bottles <laughs> here at the table. Um, but for us to make a commitment for this month, not say for the rest of my life, but this month, I'm not going to buy any more bottled water. I'm not going to buy any more um, bottled drinks or plastic anything. Let's see what that feels like. Let's see, you know, if we can make this commitment as a family. Can't and the. It, Honestly, now I know the kids will hold you accountable. If you said, (laughs) if you said you're going to do this one thing for a month, you're going to make the month and you're going to make sure you're not going (laughs) to buy that water bottle. Right. Um, So how do we do this as a family? One challenge at a time. And let again, let the spirit do what the spirit does. Also to and just to end this series, I mean, um, while I want this conversation to be for the entire family and kids, if you're listening, you can stick around. But when you come into your forties, things shift, mm. things change, right? When we, we, when we get older, all of a sudden the way, the things that we used to take for granted before we can't afford to take for granted now, right? Because we're grieving the loss of people who made mm-hmm. decisions that, that could have been different. Right. And so now we want to change the cycle we need to. And so imagine how, interconnected we are how the fabric of life is just so connected that god says you know if you take care of the land you're taking care of yourself not just about the neighbor you're not just caring for the neighbor but you're caring for yourself when you care for the land when you care for creation because when you care for creation you're going to consume that which gives life and not what has been created to create death right and so your decisions what you consume um will change because God has made it so that everything that we need is here, everything that we need, um, and we can't do it alone. So I want to end this end this um, season or this this series of conversations with the invitation to look at our mission statement. It's way more than what we've discussed here. And in, in many instances, we have created more questions and wonderment than answers, which I'm perfectly okay with. Some of our friends are not so okay, <laughs> right? We want answers. We want answers. <laughs> but um, there's space in God, in Christ, in Jesus, in the Holy Spirit for us to just ponder and sit with the information that we have um, received and Ask God to help us make decisions in accordance with what we've learned Mm -hmm. and what we've heard. Um, We don't have to be impulsive about anything, um, but what would it look like for us to just sit, right? Go into natural spaces, expect to experience God, and let the Holy Spirit speak to your heart um, and, and through you to your family, Right. Invite the family into a new way of being um, for the sake of again, for the sake of life itself, not not for the sake of salvation, although you might live longer. Right. But for the sake of life. Once a month, we're um, there's a few of us are gathering and it's mostly our creation care team. We're doing St. Nick in the field. Mm. So we take a walk. Nice. And then at the end of the walk, we have a small little Bible study and and communion together. And um, yeah, it's really getting back out into um, observing nature. And, and so there, there's people in our congregations that are just like, 
there's this kind of plant and this kind of plant and this bug does this. And, huh. and I'm, I'm just like it's soaking totally, it all in. Yeah, like, yeah. Wow, how do you guys know all of this stuff? Yeah. But, um, but Why yeah. not? Why yeah. not do that? That's a great idea. Did you hear this? Did you hear this idea? Just go out, <laughs> take a hike. Not like that, right? But just take a <laughs> hike, go out for a hike, walk around, and kind of invite the people who join you to share what they know, yeah. right? It's, it's, it's a holy, and then, you know, why not open the text? Why not share a meal together or the meal together, you, the Eucharist together in that space? There's opportunity here. Those of you who are listening, there's an opportunity that, that the Spirit is inviting us to and i pray that we lean in um that we lean boldly and boundlessly that we dare to experiment with what god is inviting us to do to take risks and if it doesn't work out that's okay try again try a different way but i think that the invitation of the spirit to shift and move and potentially change um will not leave us um the spirit will insist and I am, I feel blessed to have had this conversation with my two colleagues and friends and even convicted. Um, like I said, I'm not perfect. This is, this is kind of fresh information for me to process. And I make a commitment to process this with my family and at the risk of being held accountable by my girls, because <laughs> they will hold me accountable. Um, but for the sake of breathing better, right? For the sake of living better, for the sake of um, living by example and leading by example. Um, and so for all of you who are listening, um, we've taken this journey and we've been kind of, um, fluid with how we've shared information. Um, but really we just want you to engage, to think about it. We want you to think about the gospel. We want you to think about Jesus, about God, the Holy spirit. And we want you to think about what it looks like for you to be co-creators with the triune God um, for the sake of the church, for the sake of our community, and for the sake of our own families and our bodies. And so thank you for joining us. We will come back in two weeks with more themes and more conversations. I can't wait to have them. And so I look forward to um, more conversation with you. I'd love to hear what you're thinking. I'd love for you to invite others into this conversation, share the podcast with them. And if there's anything in particular you would like us to to talk about, to think about out loud, um, we're more than happy to um, engage those conversations. And so thank you, Natalie. Thank you, Brother Ken. This has just been wonderful. Thank you very much. And blessings to everyone. Take good care. For the time.